all my might. Give him a little dancing keyboard, honey. We're going to take another second. Just hang on. Somebody ought to just dance. Somebody ought to just dance. Move your feet a little bit. Come on. Ah. Oh, I got the glory of the Holy Ghost living inside of me. Woo! Somebody ought to dance with Brother Josh. Don't let him dance by himself. Give him a hand clap and a shout. Come on. Woo! Well, it ain't cold no more. If you was cold before you walked in, you probably ain't cold now. You probably said, where's the air conditioning? That's all right. God's good, ain't he? Come on, give our choir a hand, our music a hand. Thank God for them leading us in worship. Beautiful singing worship today. Not just entertainment, but... But true anointed worship, and I appreciate it so good. God's so good to us, so good to us. Thankful for you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. We just enjoyed a tremendous service last Sunday. Brother Doug Smith did a great job preaching and just uh, wonderful in the way God moved in this house. And I'm just excited for the Word of God today. We've got great, great ministry in this house. I thank God for it. It's such a help and always a privilege to have our young people that speak. Brother Elijah, come preach to us this morning. Let's give him a hand as he comes this morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's a, it is a privilege. Whenever, anytime he asks me to speak, it's a privilege. I don't take it lightly. So thank you. Um, I know that I have a word from the Lord today. Um, and I, as he was giving this word to me, um, he gave it to me a couple of weeks ago and I started thinking about it and trying to put it together and I kept on asking myself, like, God, how, how do you want me to say this? And, uh, I always try and and say things in a way that the truth comes across, but you feel the love of God also, and and so I was I was battling with myself trying to figure out a way to give this word that I know that He's put in my heart, and also the love of God come from it. And He spoke to me. Um, after he had already given me that word, and he said, Elijah, they know that I love them. They know that you love them. Just say it. And I said, okay. So we're going to be 
reading out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, starting in verse 11, reading through verse 13. Chapter 8, verse 11 through 13. If you have it, say amen. Reads this, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil an hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days which are as a shadow. Because he feareth not before God. Just a few moments today, I want to talk to us about something that is on the verge of being forgotten in the 21st century church. The fear of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, God, I know your word is already anointed, God. Lord, and I know you've spoken this word to me, God. Lord, anoint my lips of clay and my heart and my mind, God, that I would speak only the words that you would have me to say. Lord, touch this this anointed congregation, Lord, and let our hearts be softened, Lord, by your word, and let it be fertile ground, God, that your word would accomplish exactly what it is supposed to accomplish, and it would not return void. God, bless your congregation with this word today, and we'll be careful to give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, clap your hands before your... seated. Thank you. The fear of God has become almost non-existent in the world that we live in today. The world outside the church has gotten so far away from the fear of the Lord. They're becoming the polar opposite of fearful. The world is prideful and entitled self-centered and aggressive towards holiness and the word of God and their perspective of God has become almost blasphemous. And those in the world that respectfully disagree with our beliefs are few and far between and the ones with no respect for God are getting louder and louder with every day that goes by. And not only in the world, but in some denominations of Christianity, they're falling prey to this It's all about me mindset. The humility and reverence and fear of the Lord in a 2020 Christian is taking a back seat to my personal convictions. Our friends and acquaintances, boyfriends, girlfriends, just going out and having a good time, getting drunk and high and stumbling back into church the next morning with a hangover, drunk, smelling like smoke and whatnot. And I know that the Lord loves all. And the Lord says, come as you are, but for the saints of God. Holiness is just something that happens to you after you repeat this prayer. And obedience to the word of God is just too hard and is better left unattempted. Prayer is optional and fasting doesn't even exist in the vocabulary anymore and salvation is just thrown out there requires no effort on your part whatsoever 
any effort from you would be considered works, and we're not supposed to do that stuff, right? As wild and crazy as it sounds, people do actually believe that way. And not only some people believe that way, but there are preachers that think that way and are evangelizing with it. Friday, Friday at work, I, I work at a print shop. And uh, I had a job come in Friday that I was required to print, and it was 20,000 copies of a pamphlet that promised instructions on how to get into heaven. Inside that pamphlet, not only does it tell you that you don't have to put forth any effort in order to be saved, but it argues against the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God argues against confessing your sins to God, repentance, baptism, and even goes as far as to argue that you don't even have to serve Jesus Christ in order to receive his salvation that he paid for in his own blood. I quote from this pamphlet, To trust in Christ is to be saved by grace without charge. To include serving him would mean you must also add works to something that is free. He's preaching that you can just repeat the statement of faith that Jesus paid for all of our sins whenever he died on the cross, and you can go on your way doing whatever you please for the rest of your life, and nothing you say or do will keep you out of heaven. Once you repeat this prayer, it's impossible for you to go to hell. That is this man's message. And he has just purchased an audience of 20,000 people. Now, without dwelling on that for too long, we know the truth. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we confess our faults, He is faithful and just to forgive us. We are saved by grace through faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, which tells me through James, the brother of Jesus, that faith without works is dead which tells me that if I neglect the work that is before me, my faith will dwindle away and my access to grace with it. Revelation 14 and 13 reads this, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. This tells me that when we are in Christ, which happens by being buried with Him in baptism, that when we die, that is when we will rest from our labors, from our works. And our works will follow us into death. This is reiterated by Jesus Christ Himself in Matthew chapter 24, verse 46. says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. This combination of the state of the world that we live in and the state of the modern day Christian sounds very similar to Paul's description of the last days to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he writes, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women or people, whoever, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. In the very act of deceiving people with false doctrines, they are being deceived themselves. We must turn away from such. That doesn't mean that we aren't to pray for people. That doesn't mean that we're not supposed to preach to them or love them and want them to be saved. But we cannot unite ourselves with that. We cannot be like them. It's going to be easier and easier to live that way. And it's going to get harder and harder to not live that way. It is easy for us to measure ourselves against preachers like that pamphlet or measure ourselves against the world and be satisfied with how good we're doing. But we cannot measure ourselves up against anything but the Word of God. As the Word, as the world waxes worse and worse and the Word of God stays the same yesterday and today and forever, we, as we line ourselves up with this book, we will become more peculiar yet. We will become more strange yet. We will become more old school yet. We will become more peculiar as this world changes and continues to go astray. We, if we walk that path, we will continue to become more peculiar. And that's why Paul instructs Timothy on how to respond to the world waxing worse and worse in verses 14 through 17. It says, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Profitable for doctrine. Not just teaching, not just reproof. Doctrine, which the definition of such is a way of life, a creed or set of guidelines that we live by, doctrine is profitable from the Holy Scriptures mentioned by Paul. The entirety of the Scripture that Timothy had known since his childhood was our Old Testament. And it is God-breathed and profitable for doctrine and all aspects of life. How then... Are we to turn away from the evil ways of the world that we live in? Proverbs 16 and 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. 
the Holy Scriptures mentioned by Paul have no shortage of instruction concerning the fear of the Lord. Psalm 2 and 11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Psalm 33 and 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Proverbs 3 and 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. David, a man after God's own heart, wrote these words of himself. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Why does David think it is so important to learn the Lord's way, walk in His truth, and fear the name of the Lord? Because He is God alone. The fear of the Lord is still an attitude that needs to be maintained by all Christians because He is God, high and lifted up, and seated on the throne. God is not a meme. The Holy Ghost is not a meme or a joke. Speaking in tongues is not a meme or a joke. God is not Big Brother or the big man upstairs. He is not our co-pilot or a bumper sticker. He is God, the one who laid the foundations of the earth, the one who shut up the sea with doors, saying, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. The one who causes every sunrise and every sunset. The one who causes the water to rise into the clouds and pour out rain upon the earth. The clouds are the dust of his feet. Lightning and thunder move through the skies at his command. The constellations and the stars align themselves according to his words. The angels cry holy. The devils believe and tremble. The heavens declare his glory. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. All creation cries out majesty to the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is the one who robed himself in flesh and bore my sin and shame, carried it to the grave, and rose again with all power in heaven and earth in his hands. He is the one who was, he is, is, and he is yet to come. And every nation, every tongue, and every people will proclaim it. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Because of who he is alone. He is deserving of our fear, our honor and respect. He deserves every praise we can utter, and He deserves our obedience. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. If there was never another reason given to fear the Lord, this would be enough. But the Scriptures do not end there. Mm. Just like in every aspect of our relationship with God, when we give, it shall be given back. The Scriptures have so many benefits of living your life in the fear of the Lord. And it's also full of consequences of not, but it does have so many benefits. 
Proverbs 14, 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, and to depart from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord does not lead you to a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord does not give you access to a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And it will cause you to depart from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is not a constant state of being terrified that you're going to be struck by lightning from heaven above because you've made a mistake. The fear of the Lord is a perfect balance of complete reverence for who He is and being cautious of every action, word, and thought, making sure it is pleasing to Him. Because one day, we will have to answer for our words. Jesus said, by our words we are condemned, and by our words we are justified. Fear of God is not just a terrorizing fear in the plain sense of the word. It carries more to it than that. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He does expect us to reverence Him for who He is and seek to avoid the ultimate punishment for sin. Having a fear of the Lord is not just a benefit to us, but it will cause us to make our decisions more carefully. It is a healthy and holy and godly way for us to avoid sin. And I would go as far as to say that if you do not have a fear of God in your life, you will not refrain from sin. You, you can't. Your flesh is sinful in nature and without a complete reverence for who He is, without a fear of the end times, without knowing who God is, you will not stay away from sin. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. God will reveal the deep things of His Word to you when you submit to Him. He will, whenever you read the Scriptures, I know it's happened to, it's happened to me a million times. I have read over a Scripture, and then I have read it again, and then I have read it again ten more times because I have no idea what it's saying. I've, it's happened. It happens every time you sit down to read and you, you reread stuff because you want to make sure that you're absorbing it and getting the message. A fear of God in your life is knowledge and instruction. The fear of God in your life, will God will show you what He's saying. He will not lead you astray. He's not the author of confusion. He will not lead you down a path that will lead you into sin. He will show you what His Word is saying. Proverbs 10 and 27, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Proverbs 14, 26, uh, 6, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. We read about this benefit of the fear of God all throughout the Scriptures, but in Daniel chapter 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, boy, they were confident. They stood before the king. 
They stood before the king for not bowing down to his golden idol. When he personally threatens them with death by fiery furnace, their confidence in God is arrogant towards Nebuchadnezzar. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And if you read on in that story, they get thrown into that fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar starts counting. It's like, I threw three men in the fire. I see four. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. He is strong confidence and refuge to those who fear the Lord. (laughs) They knew that God was able to save them. But even if he allowed them to die in that fire, they were never going to bow down to that idol because their principles and their doctrine were even stronger than their faith that God would save their lives. They were willing to die before they disobeyed the Lord because they feared God more than they feared Nebuchadnezzar. They feared God more than they feared death. Oh, that that the church would get a confidence in God. That we would get a fear of the Lord that would allow us to be so strong in our beliefs, so confident in the Word of God that we would be willing to die before we turn away from the Word of God. That we would be willing to walk into fire before we turn away from the commandments of the Lord. Proverbs 22 and 4 reads this. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Psalms 34 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. You ever hear of people saying that they have a guardian angel. That's biblical. Under the condition that you fear the Lord. Not only do you have a guardian angel, but the Lord Himself will provide every need that you come across. There is no want. There is no lacking of any necessity in the fear of the Lord. Psalms 103, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Psalms 111 and 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Malachi chapter 3 16 and 17, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. And that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And that day 
when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Even when they were not praying to God, but just talking one to another, the Lord heard the words of those who fear him. He pays attention to those who fear him. And he will spare us in the day that he makes up his jewels unto himself. The ear of God is attentive to us whenever we live in the fear of him. He listens to our pleas. He listens to our wants. He listens to our desires and our needs, and he sustains us. But if we will not submit to the Lord and fear him, Jeremiah 2, 19 says this, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore, and see that it is an evil thing and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. When you remove the fear of the Lord from your life, you also remove the protection of his hands, and your own mistakes will correct us. I know that I have made mistakes in my life, and I would much rather the judgment and the mercy of the blood of Jesus correct me than my own wickedness and my own mistakes correcting me. That's only a small portion of the scriptures in the Old Testament that refer to the fear of the Lord. And I know it's a lot of scripture today, but I don't, I don't, believe and preaching that isn't founded in the scriptures anyways so it's okay that it's a lot of reading of course you're just listening I'm the one reading but that's okay what about the New Testament though some people struggle with taking the Old Testament for what it is without seeing the fulfillment of of it in the New Testament. And I believe that we should take the Old Testament for what it is. We're not under the law. We're under grace. We're under the blood of Jesus Christ. But it is profitable for teaching and reproof. It is profitable for doctrine. I do believe that we're supposed to... Exactly. We are supposed to try and walk by that. But it is not our salvation... It's not our salvation. It's not going to send us to heaven, but it is a way of life. And instead of our own wickedness correcting us, the blood of Jesus covers us whenever we fall short. That's right. Luckily for us, though, the Bible as a whole is very clear on this topic. As Paul told Timothy, all scripture is profitable for doctrine. That means that every single command to the fear of the Lord that we've read so far still stands. Every benefit of fearing the Lord still stands. 
Not only does the consequence of not fearing the Lord remain the same, but it is also directly connected with the salvation given to us by Jesus Christ. Acts 3, 26. We believe that we're the book of Acts church. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. Philippians 2 and 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We see here that the fear of the Lord is a prerequisite for obtaining the salvation brought to us by Jesus. We will not obey the gospel and repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and be filled with the Holy Ghost without a fear of God first. The result of working out your own salvation without the fear of the Lord is what I read from that pamphlet earlier. The result of working out your own salvation without fear and trembling will lead you to live by your own personal convictions and do whatever you see fit and hope and pray that you're going to trip into heaven. That self-centered, slothful, lazy, non-sacrificial lifestyle that the world is trying to pour down our throats will not work its way into our lives the same way it's doing right now with several other denominations of Christianity. It can't. If we want to remain the book of Acts church, founded by Jesus Christ himself, we should obey the words that came out of his mouth. Jesus has something to say about fearing God. Yes, he does. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you of whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. There it is, plain as it can be, a commandment from the mouth of Jesus himself to fear the Lord. Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7 says this, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made the heaven and earth and sea and the fountains of waters. The Bible tells us to fear the Lord in the Old Testament. It tells us to fear the Lord in the New Testament. And the fear of the Lord is even supposed to last until the day of the Lord, as we just read in Revelation. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 that things are going to continue to get worse and worse in this world, but whoever endures to the end, the same will be saved. If the church is going to survive these days that we live in, we have to learn to fear the Lord again.
there's, there's a false liberty that is not of God, that has made its way into this world, and is in the process of attempting its invasion of the church. It is not convenient for the flesh, but if we want to persevere to the end and be that peculiar treasure that God is looking for on that day, we have to remain fearful. We'll not be able to live a holy life without the fear of the Lord. Second Corinthians 7 and 1 says this, Having therefore these promises, referring to our rest that is to come, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Holiness is not convenient. Holiness is the best lifestyle that you could ever ask for. Nothing good in this life, nothing worth having, is achieved without doing anything for it. Nothing worth having, especially our salvation. It cannot be attained without seeking it. Matthew 24, 24 through 26 says this, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. If we don't want to be deceived by false prophets and false teachings that are starting to go forth in the very day and time that we live in right now, we've got to live in the fear of the Lord. Psalms 25 and 14 gives me assurance that when false doctrines rise up and tell us Christ is here, not where you're at or Come and see the secret places that we have found Christ in. I'm, I'm closer to God than I've ever been. You, you don't have to do all that stuff. We have assurance that if we fear the Lord, we will already be with Christ. And there will not arise another. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. And He will show them His covenant. There's not going to come another secret place that Christ has arisen in. There's not going to come up a new way of life that Christ has approved. If we live in the fear of the Lord, we live according to this book in its entirety. If we live in the fear of the Lord, the secret of the Lord will already be with us. He'll reveal Himself to us. And He'll show us His covenant. His the covenant that we have with God, the Spirit of God that lives inside of us, whenever that trumpet sounds and that lightning flashes from the east to the west, that Spirit of God, that covenant between God and man is what's going to pick us up off our feet. 
That covenant is what's going to pull us up off of this earth into heaven. And God will show us His covenant through the fear of the Lord. If we are going to endure until the end, we must truly, in its, the full sense of the word, fear the Lord in deep reverence and fear of missing out on the promise of heaven. In Hebrews, Hebrews 4 and verse 1. I'll read this to you. Hebrews 4 and 1, and then we're going to jump from 1 to verse 9 through 14. Hebrews 4 and 1 says this, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land initially. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the hearts, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. I want to be saved. I want to enter into that rest. I want to hear him say, well done. I want to walk through the gates of pearl onto the street of gold and see the face of the one who saved me. God, if we live this life, if we live this life and get there and we didn't make it God if we do all this seeking him if we we do all of this to the best of our ability by our own convictions and all this stuff and we get there and don't get to see him I can't live with that. I don't want that possibility in my life. I would, I would rather give up everything, everything, and get there and realize that I could have lived that way than live that way and get there and realize that I could not. Oh, heaven is going to be so good. Everything that you sacrifice, everything that you lay aside, everything that you lay on the altar. Oh, God, it is going to be worth it. It is not for naught. Everything that you put on the altar, everything that you consecrate to God, it's not for nothing. It's going to be worth it. I promise you. Woo. 
a true, meaningful fear of the Lord will see us through to the end. And without it, we won't make it. Fear of the Lord keeps our minds in the right place. Eternity. It helps us to take every thought captive and live for Him in the way that He intends for us to do. So now as the music comes on, I just have a couple more scriptures and then I'll make an altar call. In Revelation chapter 11 verse 18 says this, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants and the prophets and to the saints. And them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them that destroy the earth. This moment is expanded upon just a few chapters later. In Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, same moment. Just expanded on. Revelation 20, 11 through 15 says this, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. God will judge the world as a sinless man. And we can all stand all over the building, whoever would. I'm coming to a close. God himself will judge the world as a sinless man. And everyone will appear before Christ on the last judgment. Christ will not condemn believers, but will determine their rewards. He will assess whether a person has lived by faith as evidenced by his or her actions as recorded in the books. He will save those whose names are written in the book of life. And as far as the account of a believer's life is concerned, God will remove the record of his or her sins. Living in the fear of the Lord will absolutely draw you into him and ensure that you live by faith influencing all of your actions and your works so when we stand before Him on that day, 
we can be blameless because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Instead of our own wickedness correcting us when we stand before Him in that day, instead of our own mistakes correcting us, Jesus would take them upon His own shoulders. For those of us who have lived in the fear of the Lord and been baptized into His name and filled with His Spirit, for those of us whose names are written in the book of life, that book of remembrance, we will be blameless before the Lord because His mercies fail not. All who will and are able, if you feel the tug of the Holy Ghost today, I wish that we could find a place in this altar and genuinely seek the Lord today. Reestablish your fear of for Him and your love for Him and your earnest desire to live for Him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And He will keep us safe from harm in that day. And once we get there, He'll lead us into that rest that is promised that we so desperately want.
Sister Mabel just got filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's rejoice in the Lord.
think we just need to lift our hands and rejoice one time across this room one more time for what God's doing in this place. What a tremendous word today. God confirming it. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, I tell you, we, we all need that that mindset, Brother Paul down here, just crying out, said, use me, use me, use me. <laughs> use me, Lord, use me. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Boy, I tell you, that, that kind of stuff's contagious now. What a tremendous word of God. And just confirmed in this place, in this altar today, I feel in Mabel with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the fear of the Lord. Well, my favorite fear of the Lord scriptures is the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And let me tell you, if there's anything you need in this life, you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and that's what happened in this altar today. Uh, that fear of the Lord brought the Holy Ghost and and we're so thankful for the Spirit of God that's fallen in this place today and for the Word of God that went forth and touched our hearts today. Brother Elijah, thank you for obeying the Lord this morning. Wonderful Word. Wonderful Word. Wonderful Word. Well, let me tell you, I knew he was right on when he got up here and he was saying, I was asking the Lord, well, I need to preach this and so they feel the love of God with it. When I started walk in this room this morning I was praying for him and the first thing out of my mouth I said let his message Lord I said whatever he preaches today I said let the love of God go with it and I knew he was right on the right place and I knew it was going to be a blessing in this house today God's good to us isn't he God's good to us praise God thankful for those filled with the Holy Ghost you know what good day today if you haven't if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost you can have it and if you hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name, well, why not today? Why not today? Praise God. God can do it. Might be cold outside, but the fire's inside, ain't it? God's good. Praise the Lord. We sh- yes, sir. We l- <laughs> he's, he's fired up now. I tell you, you can feel the fire coming this way. I feel like I'm standing in front of a fireplace. Yeah. Praise God. Pour it on me. I think every one of us needs to spend a few minutes around Brother Paul today. Burning desire. Want to have it. Fire shut up in my bones. Praise God. Well, God's going to do it, folks. What a wonderful service today. Don't forget prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7. Going to be tremendous. We're excited about it. Let's believe the Lord. I know those of you that are still on the 40 days, welcome to the greatest five days of your life. Liquid only. So don't quit. Don't jump ship. Hang in there. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Yes, you can. It, it, it won't be long. This week will go by so slow. You just wait and see. <laughs> I love you, and I'm thankful for what God's doing in this house. Hey, everyone on the out of my voice, God loves you so much, and this church loves you, and we're so glad you're here with us today. Be blessed, be safe. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.